Hello and welcome to the one and only podcast you need in your life for keeping up with the latest and greatest at Elmwood Park. This is Parkside Chat, where you get the 411 on District 401. I'm your host, Aaron Selmer, and for the second episode of the season, I'm joined with Elmwood Park's Assistant Superintendent for Student Services, Dr. Carrie Smith. Dr. Smith, Sunday was an absolutely beautiful day, um, and I was on my way back from the grocery store. I thought to myself, I wonder what my coworkers do in nice weather. So what's what's your favorite outdoor activity in the summer, and has COVID affected it? So I've re- rediscovered sitting on my balcony, and I've re- rediscovered it due to COVID. So typically I'd be out at a concert, a festival, out to eat, but I'm not doing any of those things uh, since COVID, so I'm staying home and really trying to enjoy my home. Oh man, I totally relate to that. Um, although I have to say, I think in in fact, in order to enjoy my apartment, I needed to do a little spring cleaning first before that could happen. Um, but judging by the lines at Goodwill and the boxes they have stacked, I clearly wasn't the only one who that who had that idea uh, going into some of this remote learning time. <laughs> anyway. Uh, jumping into it, I was hoping you could start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your educational background and what you've experienced along the way that has led you to Elmwood Park and what you do here. Sure. So I'm starting my 22nd year in education. I started as a school social worker, then became a special education coordinator, then a director of special education, director of special services. I have a PhD in special education, and this is my fourth year in Elmwood Park. And I love being here. I think the thing that drew me to Elmwood Park in the first place was just knowing that we were going to be looking at the services that we are currently providing to our students and trying to develop those and um, continue to provide high quality services for our students. All right, thank you. When I was thinking about this episode and, and things to talk about, I really wanted to start by asking you a little bit about your position. So I think for people living outside the education world, education bubbles, student services may not be something that they're immediately familiar with that phrase. So could you discuss what student services is and and what uh, responsibilities you have in the district? So for student services, we oversee those aspects of, of services to students. So that includes students with special needs, students with individualized education plans or IEPs, students with Section 504 plans, students who require homebound or hospitalization services, uh, transportation for students with IEPs, students who are McKinney-Vento or homeless. Uh, We also oversee the Preschool for All program that the district has, as well as um, doing involved in crisis situations. So just some of the staff that work under student services would include special education teachers, school psychologists, the nurses, school social workers, occupational therapists, physical therapists, speech language pathologists, uh, as well as some the majority of our paraprofessionals. So you do just just a couple things. In just the district, a couple right? things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. All right. So recently the district underwent a significant change regarding special education services. Uh, We transitioned away from a cooperative to providing services internally. And and even just talking about, you know, maybe the phrase cooperative um, is something that families might not know. So could you talk about that change and what it means to our students and families? Yeah, so withdrawing from the Leiden Area Special Education Cooperative, or LASIK, has been a multi-year process, and we have communicated this process throughout we've, as we've been going through it to the community. 
Um, what it means is that we had to present a comprehensive plan to the Illinois Student Assistance Commission to demonstrate that we have the capacity to meet the needs of our students. So we have to have certain systems in place, which we began to put in place prior to and when I started this position in the fall of 2017. So when we presented to the ISAC Commission back in February of 2018, um, our goal was to withdraw from the cooperative effective June 30th. So we knew that we weren't trying to withdraw that June of that year. We knew we still wanted some time to continue to put our structures in place to make sure that we could meet the needs for our students. So what we have done is we have added certain positions to provide services to our students with special needs. This has included our special education coordinators who we had start in the fall of 2018 to facilitate our IEP meetings. Uh, we also added occupational therapists, special education teachers slash board certified behavior analysts, school psychologists, and a physical therapist that we work with directly. So in addition to the special education coordinators, we were also to add a school psychologist in the fall of 2018. And then the other positions that I mentioned, such as the occupational therapist, um, the special ed teacher slash um, board certified behavior analyst, and an additional school psychologist were all added last fall in 2019. Previously, as a district, we had already employed our own school social workers as well as speech language pathologists. So when you think about at the point we were withdrawing from the cooperative, we were really receiving minimal services from the cooperative at that point anyway. They were doing a lot of the state reporting and claims that uh, we have now taken over. We also developed a transition program that began last fall, the fall of 2019, to provide services to our students ages 18 to 21. And our transition program focuses on independent living, vocational, and social communication skills for our students. And uh, we were fortunate enough to have a great team of staff members who helped us develop this program. And we are starting our second year of the transition program this fall. Additionally, we've also been working to and have been working to transition some students who are attending cooperative programs to other programs. And so I say that to say that as a member, if, when you withdraw from a cooperative, you no longer have access to the services that the cooperative offers, and that includes programs that might be in other schools. So throughout this process, we have remained in contact with our school community, our district community, and have also been in constant com communication with the cooperative to support the transition out of LASIK. All right, so it sounds like in general, the district can be a lot more agile with the services that they offer now. Yep, agile and autonomous, yep. Awesome, thank you. Obviously, the, the topic on hand is COVID-19. Last week, we announced the district is continuing with remote learning until 2021 at the soonest. Every aspect of education is needing to adapt to this, but how have you found that student services has been affected specifically by the change? Well, for student services, we are affected just like anyone else. Um, students will be remote learning, and that is the discussion we had at our last board meeting, and that does include students with special needs. Uh, we are thinking of ways to best support our students' needs, and we are in communication with our staff members on their ideas and gathering their input. So our students with special needs will continue to receive their services, and those services will be remote. Um, we are considering um, some options for our students with special needs, and we are continuing to work through conversations uh, with our teachers union, with individual staff members, to just see you know, what 
we can pro offer to our students to ensure that we're able to meet their needs in a remote learning situation. All right. So if, if families wanted to find out more information, uh, what would you advise them to do? So I think the first thing they can do is start out with their student's special education case manager. Uh, they can also talk to the special education coordinator, and then they can also talk to me as the assistant superintendent for student services. If there is a key takeaway you'd like to communicate to families who take advantage of student services resources regarding the work the district is doing for Remote Learning 2.0, what would you tell them? I think the key takeaway is just to know that our staff are here to work with you. We're here to listen. We are here to answer your questions. We know that this is not easy. Um, like I said, we are trying to come up with ways to make sure that we are meeting the needs of our students with special needs. And we want to provide you the support that you need. And so some of the things that we are talking about, we are working on developing a remote learning plan that's revised and new and improved. Um, and, you know, we are looking at doing that as well for our students with special needs. We're also making sure that we review our students' IEPs to determine how we will meet their needs while remote learning and possibly looking at developing individualized remote learning plans. We're also planning to host meetings and professional development with parents' guardians to support them during remote learning. And we are also making sure that we have live interactive meetings with students to provide services and to check in with them. So just know that these are some of the things that we are planning to do to make sure that we can support our families as well as our students during remote learning. That sounds wonderful. Thank you for that overview and background. I want to shift topics a little bit. Uh, this is only somewhere like my sixth or seventh week in the district. And one thing I already feel confident saying about you is that you have a passion for students with disabilities and SEL, which for the uninitiated stands for social emotional learning. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about a couple things. And kind of the first thing to kick us off is what exactly is social emotional learning? Sure. So when I was going over the list of things that fall under student services, I neglected to say social emotional learning, and I apologize for that. So I <laughs> wanted to make sure, thanks for bringing that up. But also social emotional learning and equity also fall under uh, the realm of student services. Social emotional learning is the process through which children and adults understand and manage emotions, set and achieve positive goals, feel and show empathy for others, establish and maintain positive relationships, and make responsible decisions. So it's really about teaching students the skills that they need to be able to go throughout life, to manage their emotions, to make decisions, and to problem solve what is going on. So why do you think social emotional learning is important for our students to learn? So as I was saying, it's important for us to teach our students to self-manage, to make decisions, to be able to resolve conflicts and the social skills that they need to be successful in life. Illinois has social emotional learning standards that were developed in the early 2000s, and these standards guide our work for what students should be learning at each point in their student careers. SEL has shown to improve academic outcomes for students, as well as student behavior and school climate. And is social emotional learning something that we do for all of our K-12 students or is it targeted at specific grade levels? So it is something for all of our K-12 students. And we specifically have a curriculum for our students from pre-K up through eighth grade. And we also have, it's not a curriculum, it's more a way of checking in with students, um, but we also have something for our high school students as well. 
why why is social emotional learning especially important now in the time of COVID-19? So due to COVID-19, we have had to rely on different ways to connect with students and families. It's important to continue to check in with our students and to engage them in the learning environment and process. And we also want students to know that we care about them, support them, and that we are still here for them to discuss what they have been feeling and dealing with since March. Um, so this is why the Social Justice League and Social Emotional Learning Committee has identified four areas for teachers to focus on with students to start the year. And I just want to say that our Social Emotional Learning Committee, our Social Justice League, has really been working hard this summer to be able to provide um, our staff members with some ideas of social emotional learning activities that can be implemented within classrooms. So the four areas that we've identified as a committee that we will be focus on, focusing on to start the year are community building, health safety and wellness, success in remote learning, and social justice. And what we are doing is we are providing teachers a menu of activities that they can select that will be used during their social emotional learning time. And so every student will have this time throughout their day. Um, this time will allow us to focus on students' social emotional learning needs and to provide instruction in this area. Okay, so just to recap, it, students will actually have a specific time set aside for SEL during the day? Yes. Okay. So if parents, if they're listening and, you know, they hear their students talking about SEL, they'll understand now that it's just part of what students are doing. Correct. And our, you know, our vision for social emotional learning is that it is embedded into every classroom. And so we wanted to make sure that teachers had that time to connect with students to develop those skills. All righty. Is there anything else that is in the back of your mind that I didn't hit on today that you want to leave our listeners with? Not that I think of. Um, you know, I think the one thing is just to know that we, as we continue to um, look at what we are doing to provide services to students, we are continuing to improve and things may change. And I think that has been said uh, with remote learning and, you know, if we do something one way, it may need to change based on whatever guidelines we're getting from the Illinois State Board of Education or the Illinois mm -hmm. Department of Public Health. So just know that things are constantly changing and that's just the climate that we're in right now. And so uh, we will continue to communicate when those things change and if we think need to do things differently. Yeah, I think flexibility is definitely key there. If, if anyone's paying attention to what our athletic director is going through almost on a daily basis, uh, they, they know that it's definitely needs to be flexible with the different guidelines coming out from the state. All right. So to our listeners, thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed your time with us. Stay healthy, be good citizens and make good choices. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Selmer, and this has been Parkside Chat. Until next time.